Hey, Mark. Hey, Katie. Hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Unforget Yourself Show, where we use the power of woo and the proof of science to help you identify your blind spots, get over your own bullshit, <gasps> so that you can do the fucking thing you actually want to do. Absolutely. I'm Mark. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of Unforget Yourself and the creators of the Unforget Yourself system. Look, being a business owner is tough. Yeah. With vulnerability and with humor, mm-hmm. we'll be sharing with you the real stories behind the success of those brave and crazy enough to start their own business and to show you that you're not alone. You're not. Well, from the accidental entrepreneur to the laser-focused CEO, we have honest conversations about how they got to where they are today. We talk about the challenges that they faced and what they're currently dealing with in real time on their roller coaster journey. Along the way, we want to show you that it's, it's you. You are the most important asset in your business. Yeah, you are. So let's cut the bullshit and start the show. Enjoy. Okay, hello everyone and welcome to the show. So today we have Mike Moll with us. Now Mike is a marketing coach who helps marketers charge what they're worth and then helps them remove themselves from their daily operation. And he focuses on creating sustainability rather than aggressive growth by optimizing pricing and systems. And then why do this? What's the point? To help marketers who want to create an amazing business while having time for hobbies and travel and enjoying all the amazing things that they want in life. Mike, that sounds fantastic. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I It took so many iterations where I just wanted it to sound bigger and bolder. And then I, finally, one day I was like, what am I actually trying to do? And what have I done for other people? And it, I, I distilled it down to that. And so I'm, I'm, I love that intro now. It makes me, it makes me feel, it makes it feel real for me. Oh, that's beautiful. We talk to so many entrepreneurs and that sort of mission statement, that elevator pitch, it's, it takes years and years and years to, to perfect or to work out what the hell do we do, right? Yeah, yeah. And as a marketer, you know, we tend to want everybody to know everything that we do. And so these things, you know, as a podcaster, reading some of these things, sometimes they go on for 30, 40 seconds, accolades, awards, all this stuff. And you're like, nobody cares. What is the point? What's in it for me? Am I the right person to be listening to this? And so, yeah, I think it's 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 important. And, and once you get it and it feels great, it's, you know, you got to keep it. Beautiful, beautiful. So for the benefit of the listeners, uh, can you tell us a bit more about you know, where you are in your business today, you know, who you're serving, what your kind of current offers are? Um, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So my core business, uh, outside of the the coaching that you just did the read on, so my, my core business, the one that's been around since 2013, is actually an ad agency. Um, I like to say that we run boring ads for boring companies. And if you are, if you're, if you're squeamish thinking, I'm not boring, that's probably you. Um, So, you know, home services, business services, we do marketing for, you know, Volvo commercial trucks to payroll companies, to law firms, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, But over the past few years of, you know, running this agency and and answering questions for people, I realized that the 10 years that I put into it or, you know, the eight when I had the realization, um, I had gone through so much, not coming from an education background, not studying marketing, just kind of picking it up and figuring it out as I went. I think through that learning curve, I learned so many things that could help other people, which turned into the coaching. I never had intention to be a coach and help marketers the way that I'm doing it now, but but, uh, it's incredibly fulfilling and I I like it more than running the agency. (laughs) 
I love that. I think so many people fall into some level of consulting or coaching through what we've been through. And that's the, the experience. So you said the realization. So for you, what was that moment? Was it one moment? Was it a couple of little nuggets that made the realization? So I think the biggest one that gave me confidence from a marketing standpoint. So again, I, I'm a YouTube university guy. Um, I, I learned how to do Google ads literally by watching YouTube videos. And so I got asked to sit in on this meeting. Uh, it was a global food brand and you know they had 20 people in the room and their agency had 20 people in the room. And they're like, can you just sit and be a fly on the wall and give us your opinion. And as you know, I asked if I could speak during the meeting, and they said yes, of course. And on you know, on behalf of us, and I, you know, within about four to seven minutes, I was like, I think we're wasting more than fifty percent of the money here. And the agency, you know, looked like they wanted to chop my head off because they were basically selling them just the highest margin things that they had. But just like mm-hmm. to 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 be able to unpack that with all the like people who I perceived to be smarter in the room than I, and I was like. Home, I'm really good at this marketing thing. So that was one that kind of helped really cement like who am I to be giving anybody advice or like to be assessing marketing. Um, and then the next one that got me into the coaching was a friend of mine who I consider again super successful, super smart. He was telling me about this pitch that he was doing, and he wanted to raise the price from eighteen hundred to twenty three hundred dollars for this session. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I. I had him break down what it was about and who he was doing it for and what would be the outcome if he he did it well. And it was just such a big difference of what he could produce versus what he wanted to charge. And I said, like, uh, to me, if you're not six, seven times more expensive than the price you're talking about, I think you're going to get laughed out of the room. And so he compromised and five X the price. And they like, they instantly said yes. And I think those two were two were very pivotal moments to me of like, people that I respect and I think are smarter and more further ahead than me don't necessarily have it together. And I have a a mind for this thing and it kind of spawned from there. I love the way you just said that they didn't quite necessarily have it all together. All of us. I mean, we can go through your history and go through your past and where you are right now, you've gained so much experience. Um, But that means that, yeah, you must have it all together. No problems, no challenges. You never everything right. You're all good. Uh, no, never. <laughs> never. <laughs> I, most days I feel excellent, but I think as a as an entrepreneur, if 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 your listeners haven't read the Entrepreneurial Roller Coaster, um, if that book doesn't perfectly examine what it is to go through as an entrepreneur and like feeling like the things that you thought you were alone in, you're not, and how it never stops. And there's always those things. You just need to get better at mitigating the amount of damage they can do. I mean, it's a it's an incredible book for anybody who's either an entrepreneur or who has a relationship with one. You know, if you've got a spouse that works a normal job, I highly recommend they read it because your mood swings, your dark times, that depression, that like it's all going to implode the imposter syndrome. I feel like that book does an incredible job um, and it's it's been a tool that I, I've read it over and over and over again, just like every once in a while to remember, oh, yeah, like we're all going through it all the time. Yeah, we're all going through it. We're all going through a different kind of version of the journey. We all have different perceptions. We have different experiences, different fears and worries. So that is so true. You said that people, when they, they don't realize they're alone, but they're not, there is all this support around for an awful lot of entrepreneurs, even if they don't quite see it. 
was there a time where you you maybe felt that you were alone and what changed so you realized that the, the resources the advice um what was actually available to you yes yeah, so for a period of time when i started my my thing i was actually a really terrible entrepreneur terrible leader um, i had a lot of ego around uh -huh. it has to be my way or the highway i have to be right nobody in the room can be smarter than me or else it just it made me feel you know like i wasn't enough when those experiences and when those things popped up and so i, I was think that coming comes from? from a it comes from you know my background right so i don't have any entrepreneurs really in my family um you know my father who's who's passed but he stayed in a job that he hated forever and would never took the risk never had the the whatever you want to call it to try and do more even though he said he wanted more and i think a lot of people fall into that bucket they keep saying i want i want i want and they'd ever take the action and so mm -hmm. you know i had this perception of myself like i barely got through high school i didn't go to college i you know worked for, for an insurance company for six years which was miserable i had i had a full nervous breakdown there quit my job started an app business two weeks later i mean i was all over the place and i think uh -huh. um what i had built this tiny little thing I wanted to hoard it and never let it go and never let it change because mm -hmm. it was my protection from going back to that life, going back to waking up every day and, and hating the idea of making phone calls on behalf of the company I worked for, mm -hmm. knowing that every single person was going to be lying to me because that's what my job was. Like, it was just, it was terrible. And, and I, for years I did, I discounted how much my skill and my development moved me past that person and could have dropped me into any other career in that field, like, like nothing. But I had this for years. I had this thing where like, I can't go back and I can't let bad things happen. Cause if it all crashes to the ground and I have to go back, I'm going to be miserable. And that really held me back for a lot of years was just being ego centered and being scared of being that old person. And it also sounds um, fear driven. I mean, the the fear that can hold us back from from taking that leap to expand our business or become an entrepreneur or you know have that sense of unknown. I mean, we, we joke all the time, especially with with clients who are taking that step away from full time employment, the perceived security. There is none. There's no security with a full-time job. That can go in a heartbeat. We all know that, but there's a veil behind it that we think think we're safe so i think you eloquently say that about the it was it was a fear-based um decision action that you were taking which came across as as the ego trying to hold on so tight so what happened once you were able to um control that that monkey those voices yeah so i you know before I got control of it, I almost drove the business out. Of, I almost drove the business down twice. Mm -hmm. I got down nothing. At one point, I had to fire full five full-time employees. Uh, it was like the single worst day of my life. And I think almost losing it and realizing that my path to it, which was like a, a it's not it's not an education-based problem. It was a um, it was an ability to iterate and take advice and be wrong thing and when i realized that like i couldn't hold on with that old version as i was trying to grow and as i was trying to expand i didn't have the tools i didn't have the skill set i didn't have the knowledge 
mm-hmm. about how to do that. And, and without some outside guidance, um, I would probably put at risk the whole thing again and again and again, um, because there's only so much you can learn when you're doing a bunch of stuff you're not good at. There's a lot of things in my business that I'm terrible at. There's a couple of things that I'm excellent at, but like 80% of it, I suck. And now I hire the best people around it because like, why take myself from a level three out of 10 to a level five when a level five is still mediocre? I was, but I was insistent on, okay, well, I'm going to be a five, but I didn't want, I didn't want the nines around me because they, they scared me. But when I realized that, you know, even with all of that protection that I had in my mind, even with all those barriers that I put up, I still was at very high risk of losing everything. I, I kind of snapped out of it. Nice. Nice. And that's where the changes then come in. So let's fast forward to today. Fast forward to where you are right now. So what kind of team do you have around you? What have you actually built? Yes. So I, I keep my organization very lean by design. My, you know, as I mentioned in, you know, in the, in, in the coaching bio, for me, it's about enjoyment of life. So I kind of picked a number of like how much I need to make every month for me to have enough money to do whatever I want, whenever I want. And how do I work backwards from that and keep it as simple as possible? So my team's extremely small. Um, there's three of us that are like full-time in it. Um, and then a number of subcontractors, subcontractors that contribute and do other things. We target businesses that will uh, generate us a really high amount of retainer income. And mm-hmm. we just try, you know, it's kind of like, can we get 15 people paying us X amount per month, you know, keep the two people involved working super hard, but making way more money than they would anywhere else so that I don't have to work. That was kind of my thesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we've been able to accomplish. Um, I have this like driver in the back of my head and, and uh, I've kind of been living like a semi-retired person for the last while, you know, working 50, 60 hours a month. And, and I'm my creative and my um, competitive self is a little bit board, if you will. Okay. So next year, I'm actually thinking about going into expansion. But right now, yeah, we keep it super lean, super simple. And we just work with, you know, a handful of customers that can pay a lot of money. Nice. Sounds good. So that that creative and competitive self that's that's ready. I think as entrepreneurs, we always go through these, these cycles. And we we enjoy what we're doing. And then we're searching for more. Um, and we've, we've heard from a lot of stories that that, that can break companies just trying to find something new something different trying to feed that that human desire that need so how has that started to show its face because i love to talk about these little nuggets that we start to see these warning signs or these things start to come into play what are your warning signs what what do you how did you see this start to build i had this perception about getting down to like 10 to 15 working hours per week and making, you know, 1% level income. And I was like, man, if I can do that, I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to become a singer. I'm going to train in jujitsu. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And, and so I accomplished that. And then I'm doing all these activities. Like I travel full time, I learning Spanish. I mean, I'm doing all this stuff and I'm running the business. And then mm-hmm. I'm, I've got these huge gaps in my day. Like, what am I, what am I doing with my time and energy and like where I could now be creating more opportunity or building, you know, and I I think 
where a lot of people get stuck is they they take that and they say, well, we got to balloon it into this giant thing. It's why yeah. like I'm really particular about sustainable growth. Like a lot of people think, oh, if we, have, if we want to make more money, we need to add more services. I think that's wrong. I think you need to do, I think you need to do the service for more people or you need to charge more money to the people that you're doing the service for. But if you're good at one thing, like we're really good at Google ads. Mm -hmm. We only run Google ads. Back in the day, we used to do social and content and emails and websites. And like, if if that person is not fully set up to receive a high volume of high quality traffic and do something with it on the sales end, like we don't even get involved anymore. And so for me now, it's just dialing up the number of people that we're doing it for. And then eventually uh, replacing myself. I'd love to take all the knowledge out of my head and finish systematizing it. It's, you know, maybe 20% mm -hmm. done. But all the sales knowledge, all the strategy knowledge, how do I take that all out of my head and build a, a group around it? And so that's kind of what the mission for the next year is going to look like. Nice. So, so take me through that and maybe a bit beyond. So where is where is your focus right now? What has what's keeping you up at night? What's what's taking your attention? Uh, I think in in our in our space in the digital marketing space, um, you know lead generation when you want high quality input you want people that are like coming to you hungry for your service um i used to be able to just do that all through word of mouth my reputation we had we were turning away mm -hmm. more work than we could ever do but when you take your foot off the gas your name it fades pretty quick and there are a lot of people who still know me as that marketing guy and there are you know well-connected, high-powered people that call me all the time for stuff, but that flow of leads is dead because I killed it. And so yeah. now I'm looking at it saying, you know, I don't really want to go tap into that well, because if I'm going to build a business that doesn't require me, all the leads can't be from my personal brand. So I'm going back to the drawing board and saying, okay, how do you attract attention? How do you build brand around the brand and not you? And I'm trying to detach myself from the front face of it, which is difficult when for the last decade, people want to come to me. They want to ask me the questions. They want me on the strategy calls okay. with them. And so that that's that's really tricky because I think it's a very crowded marketplace. You know, the barrier to entry to get into marketing is very low. Um, once we have the that, I'm not worried about it. Our track record and our results are very, very good. Our average retainer is, you know, three and a half years. The last five clients we lost have all been to, you know, they brought the marketing in-house over time. So we don't mm -hmm. lose clients to performance, generally speaking. So that's good. But like getting that attention and making that attention separate from how I've always received it, um, it's it's that's interesting. It's an interesting challenge right now. And that's beautiful. There's, there's two aspects of that. There's the business and yourself. So you can see that the, the business has grown. That the eager must love the fact that people want to talk to you, that you are still the name out there. However, that is not sustainable. That's the one thing in your, your bio that you're talking about, to be able to step away from your business. So it sounds like the business is in good hands. It's starting to, to build and flourish and everything that a business in its own entity should. So let's focus on on you now so away from the business side how have you been able to manage that sort of transition yeah good question so the last year and a half has been really odd for me so in 2020 i started traveling full-time with my partner uh we were together for five years and so last february when we split up i kind of entered this weird headspace of well she was the one that 
found the places that we were going to go. She was the one mm -hmm. that got excited and like built that journey for us. And she was also a full-time employee of the company. And so when we split, my operations went away and I was kind of left in this weird puddle of like, why am why am I in this beach town in Mexico? Where do I go from here and and what's next? And so, you know, it's been a really interesting journey uh, over the past year and a half of just rediscovering what my preferences were instead of our mm. preferences. Um, you know, I still don't like, you know, dreaming about where to go next. I still don't like the research of travel. And as a as someone who's been to 10 countries this year, like you'd think, oh, he must love to find places like I don't, I like going to places. I like checking them out, but I don't like planning it. So I, I actually have delegated that to a personal assistant, but that's besides the point. Um, so for me, it's been, you know, figuring out what I even want to do with my professional side, mm. you know, is the agency what the next 10 years of my life looks like as I'm approaching 10 years in the business. I think that's that weird milestone where a lot of people started thinking, do I got another 10 in the tank? Is this what I want to be? You know, this is what I want to do. And yeah. so um, I, I find myself, you know, I historically would write a page of journal prompts and then like one freehand page. And for the last two months, I've averaged about six pages a day, just mm -hmm. everything, just dumping everything I can stream of consciousness, no matter what it is. And just what I found through that and what I found through creating lists of things I don't want. What don't mm. I want my business to look like? What don't I want my travel to look like? What don't I want my relationships to look like? Because it's hard to know what you want. But I'll tell you, you write down the 15 things you don't want in a certain category. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, well, it's getting pretty clear what I actually want this to be or what I want this to look like. If I know what I don't want, it's kind yeah. of the opposite. It starts painting its own picture, if you will. Um, so just kind of exploring a lot of that. Um, I think I've got now the confidence to tackle marketing challenges as a marketer. It's like the lead gen thing. It's, it's, there's a lot to it, but it's fun. Mm. And we're testing different things. You know, we've just tripled our triple triple our volume of sales calls just by making this one change. And I get excited by that stuff. That's, you know, that's what fuels me as a marketer is like, Hey, what can we say slightly differently to make more people say, yeah. So that part's cool. But yeah, from a personal side, it's been a weird, uh, it's been a weird year and a half of, of, do I, is this the company that I want to be running? And if I'm running it, do I want it to be run this way? Or do I want it to, you know, build out further, which is kind of where, you know, where I feel like I'm going. And then yeah, on the I, personal I, I side, yeah. yeah. Just to go backwards slightly, because it sounds like this, all, this um, you said there was the realization when you first did your business here, there was the, the, that point, that moment in time where you're traveling, uh, you ended a relationship. There was also a professional tie to that. That's an all, that's a soup of different emotions and events and situations all coming together. Um, must've been a tough time during that time. Um, and we often hear to the, the business side of it, when we work with a lot of agency owners um, or high-end business owners who, you know, they've, they've got the business, they've got multiple businesses and they're like, but what next? I thought I'd get to this point and then I'd be happy. I thought I'd be getting to this and then I'd have everything. But so I'll work with them to find that clarity in what they, what they do want. Um, I love that you're using a technique to look at what I don't want. And that's a fascinating tool that, that we also use. Um, it's so hard for some people to understand what they want. It might be hard for you right now to say, here is exactly what I want. But 
boy, can we list what we don't want, right? Quick. The answers come quick. <laughs> so with your, with your next steps, personally, to find that clarity, how do you feel? Is there you know, nervousness? Is there a little bit of doubt, a little bit of guilt? Is it excitement? Is it a mix of all of these? What, what are you feeling with, with this part of your, your journey? Yeah, I, I would say up to up till about two months ago, I was still I was still trapped in what my life was before. And I was mm -hmm. making decisions around the shape of that thing. What I realized is that, you know, I'm not the guy that was in this old job that he hated. I'm not in this failing agency. I'm not in this dire financial situation. I'm not this crappy leader anymore. And like, no matter what I choose, uh, it, it's going to work. And so, you know, I took off to, so this is my 10th country this year, which is abnormal mm -hmm. for me. I don't usually do this many countries, but I just took off into the, like, in, literally into the mountains of Austria and Slovakia and Slovenia and just like got lost for as you do a period, as you do, got a car and just took off into the mountains. And um, what was cool. So one thing that actually changed my life in that period of time is I turned off everything, all media complete blackout, no music, no podcast. And I, I did like, well, you're in the US, right? So it's uh, 1200 miles of driving in a week with no music, with no podcast, mm -hmm. no social media, barely any contact with anybody, no phone calls, just me, my thoughts, my ideas. And that media blackout, it was for five days. I learned more about myself not consuming media in five days than I have with my therapist, with my coach, everything cumulatively in the last two years, in five days of just journaling and not taking anything in, um, really just opened my eyes to the lies I was telling myself mm. and the things I was holding on to and my stories that I was holding on to from before that were like, you are this guy. This is what yeah. defines you. These are the things. And when I got rid of it, I just had this moment of like, uh, and so this is about six weeks ago. I just had this moment of it doesn't business wise. It doesn't matter what I do. If I'm staying in this field, I will make more than enough money to be fine. But then I think bigger than that on the personal side, um, you know, your parents that you, when you speak to them, they have an influence and your siblings and your friends that know that know you. I'm using air quotes for, for everybody who's listening. I'm using air quotes around people that know you and realizing like you are the only one that knows you. You're the only one who's lived all of your experiences, who actually know your preferences. And as much as you want to lean on someone else and their knowledge of you to, to guide you, it's not actually helpful. You're going to go down a path that's not you because someone who knows some level of you and maybe your parent, you're super close. It, it's not more than 50% because they don't know how you process information. They don't know what the experiences that are that you've lived and how you think and what your preferences are about life and accommodations and travel and, and this and that. Also what they are saying is fueled by their fears, their doubts, um, what drives them, uh, which could have nothing to do with you or an experience that they can't even remember. Thousand percent. Yeah. Nice. Um, rediscovering your preferences. Just want to end on that point i think it's a beautiful place for you right now as you go through this next phase into your into the personal side of 
being an entrepreneur, because what this podcast is all about, the the business owner, what we go through, where we stay in the business, whether we come out of the business, what we do with our time, but your ability to go into this, this new phase to rediscover what we had. We had a joke before this podcast about, before you press record, that, um, you know, when, when we we start, we, we talk about the business and what it's supposed to look like and then what we do. Not many people think past the first couple of years. What happens next? What happens when? Again, when you start to move yourself away from the, the the roles, all the roles in your business for the people just starting out who wear every single hat. So um, rediscovering your preferences. How has that felt for you personally to be going through that? Been amazing. Um, if you had asked me five or six years ago when I didn't have the tools to dissect these pieces and I was just kind of, you know, go, 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 just keep it, keep it floating, keep it moving, keep everything going. Like at that point, if you had asked me about preferences, I probably wouldn't have even known. But now mm -hmm. I think having the tools in my personal life and in the business life to dissect those preferences and really like flesh out what's real versus just like what I'm annoyed at or what I don't want to deal with in this moment, um, I think makes a huge difference in confidence in the decision, I think is the biggest thing because it's very easy for us to say, hey, I have to make a decision, so I'm going to do it versus I've made the decision, let's go forward. And I think there's a big gap there that um, just being aware that that can be a gap because I think a lot of people, what they do is, they feel the pressure to make that choice. They make it and then they realize it wasn't real. It wasn't authentic. And then they beat themselves up for failing at that when it was not a failure on the execution side. It was a mm -hmm. failure to be aware from the from the beginning. And so I think people punish. Well, you know, I screwed this up or I'm not good at that now or I you know, no, I can't do that. It might, it might have just been that you never should have done it in the first place. So just having awareness around. I think bigger than anything, my biggest thing is like knowing exactly what you're good at and what you suck at and being <laughs> honest with the things that you suck at. And then tr like, don't try and make yourself from a three out of 10 to a five out of 10. When you're at the point where you can have somebody come in and take that over, get it off your plate as soon as possible. And, you know, mm. from a creative agency side, you know, it's, oh, you know, I'd love to have copywriters come in and media buyers come in but like what i actually needed at the beginning which i was glad i came to an awareness on was like administration booking calendar stuff you know sending invoices remembering to follow up with it. i'm horrible at that stuff and i'm still horrible um, and that could be weighty so all that stuff can weigh you down if you forget stuff if that organization it matters right in business yeah Absolutely. It's, it's the most, it's what makes you look reliable and credible to the people that are going to give you money. And so when you start dropping the ball there, you could have an amazing campaign, you build them an amazing website, but if they feel like the communication and the deadlines and those, those little details are missing, they're going to have a feeling that it wasn't the right or wasn't a great experience. Even if what you produce was excellent, the, it can create a really big gap of value. Yeah, I think that's a great point because people, whilst they do buy your service, they do buy the results that you bring them. They stick with you because of the relationship.
That's one of the yeah. biggest things with, with business, building those relationships, keeping those relationships when everyone has different thoughts, different feelings, different emotions driving them. Um, yeah, to manage those parts of, of your clients. Do you enjoy that? I enjoy touching base with my notes, remembering like what their kid's name was and their coffee order. But in terms of like, you know, from a, a deployment of campaign standpoint, no. The sending updates, we send, you know, we'll send coffee every once in a while. All that stuff I would forget. But I, I do like having the relationship. And I think for me as someone who is very, very, very talented from a strategic standpoint, there's something in my mind. I'm just very good at marketing strategy. I don't know where it came from. It just, it's there. And so I love being on the phone and solving a complex problem in that conversation. Mm. I love that part. Um, and that usually keeps the relationship solid, but all the nuances and, and that of it, like, man, am I bad? I'm really, really bad at it. <laughs> I think the takeaway here is to, to really utilize your gifts in the way that, that you should outsource the rest, find the best to work alongside you, understand where your strengths are. And sometimes your strengths can be walk away, walk away from that job, that part. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Having, having the awareness and giving yourself permission to suck is, is something that will help you immensely. Beautiful. Love that. Mike, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you about your, your travels and and your tactics and what you've been through. Um, thank you for sharing. It's been, it's been really fun. So if people want to learn more about you, um, where can they find you? Um, most interesting place to find me is on Instagram <laughs> at the Mike mall. Um, I'm always floating around some random country or at some event. So that's a cool, cool place to start. <laughs> Perfect. Well, we'll join you on your adventure. Beautiful. Awesome. Mike, thank, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Mark. Cheers. Hey, Katie. Yeah, Mark? Want to do an outro? I sure do. Sweet. Hey, thank you so, so much for listening and making it to the end. Yay, you. So what happens next? Uh, we ask them the things that podcasters are supposed to ask at the end of an episode. Can you please rate, review, download? Subscribe. Mm. Yeah. But why is it important? Because that's how our podcast gets noticed. That's how people find us. It is, and we want all their earballs. <laughs> all the earballs all over the place. We do. Nice. Yeah, so please do all those things. We'll be ever so grateful. And then more people hear your beautiful voice. Or yours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.